Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. So these are questions that have been um, asked of me by people on Instagram, I put out a little story and say, hey, send me some questions. You don't have to do it on Instagram. You can send them to Lara at movementbylara.com. And my Wednesday podcast segment will now be dedicated to answering Q&As uh, because I get asked so many questions and I thought this would be a great format. And then we can circle back around and see if you have more questions about the way I answered it. So I'm going to start right on in. So the first thing someone wrote me is how to remove the ego out of a yoga studio. And this is by Vombre. Well, I don't know the answer to that, except to say that just know that we're all the same and we're all trying to be better and trying to move better. And I don't feel like I'm better than anyone. And so I feel like when you teach from that perspective, that it's really a passion and I and it's coming from not my attachment to how you perform or to how I perform, but just how I give the information that I want to give and how I help you and how I hopefully create a space that's nurturing and educational and transformative. So it has a lot to do with the people who are heading the ship, so to speak. So I don't know how you can take it out, except that not bring it in in the first place. So I don't know if that's a, 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 the answer that you're looking for, but I would say if that's something that you're finding in a studio that you're teaching at or you're going to, 
then either be very aware of tuning it out or perhaps look for some, there's so many yoga studios, I would look for something else because you want to be in an environment where it's like, it's like a cheers, you know, it's a bar where everybody knows your name. You come in and there's like this exhale, like, ha, I'm here, I'm back, I feel good. Not that you have to be somebody different, perform, guard yourself against energy. That's, you know, it's just, so that's a really actually good way of determining whether you want to be at that studio or not. So that's the best way is to take yourself out of it, perhaps. Okay. Another question. Someone asked me, should I do inversions while I'm having my period? I've heard it disrupts the natural flow. Well, the body is, is way, way more sophisticated than that. You're not going to stop your flow because you're upside down. It just, it doesn't work that way. There's so many systems that work that would, it's not like it's going to flow backwards like a pipe. So, uh, no, I practice inversions all the time and I don't stop because of um, my period. I would say, do what feels right. Now, I've never had a really terrible period. And I know people who have really, a much more dramatic pyramid, period, I say pyramid. So I would do what feels right for you, but don't not do it because of the blood flow not coming, you know, not going the right direction. I just, I feel that I remember learning all that upon a vayu, prana vayu, upon is going down, prana is going up. And you don't want to kind of mess up the circuitry of the prana. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into that personally because I just feel like from a science perspective, it doesn't, it does not make sense. And it's not true. Our body is like way more sophisticated. We could pee upside down, like let's not do it. But you know what I mean? Like we, we have these mechanisms in place. Um, you could swallow upside down again, not recommended, but it's, it's there. Uh, our, we are hardwired for those things to flow in a certain way and they will. And so if for me, inversions always felt great all the time, but especially if I was crampy or anything. So I would say, don't let that be a reason. Okay. Another question. Any advice for a 40 something year old who wants to study to be a PT? This is T-Ba Bowden. Okay. T-Ba, any advice for a 40 something? Hey, go for it. You could live another 60 years. So that's a long time to be not doing something that you want to be do. So I, I've had Many people who've wanted to become a physical therapist because they were either inspired. I was a physical therapist or they've had friends that really enjoy. It's a great job. It's a great, great, great job. It's so fulfilling. And there it's, it's one of the few healthcare professional positions where you have, you can have a great quality of life and also be very autonomous, not subordinate to any others. It's, it's lovely and you're helping people and you become better at understanding your own body and but that to be that all being said is it takes a lot to get to get to PT school and then PT school itself is is challenging but those are not reasons to not do it so i would say go for it what is the advice start looking at the steps little steps at a time what are what do you need to do as at 40 you're probably going to have to take prerequisites all over again even if you had a major in undergraduate that was that had all the requirements because those tend to expire, I think, or they have a shelf life. So start doing that, start taking classes and, and then just have this plan. I had a, I've, I've mentioned this before. I had a friend who went back to med school 
And she had, she was an architect. So she had to go and take all the post-bac classes, then go to med school, then do residency. And she went back to medical school, I think at age 38. So it's not, you're never too old. I, I, I think I have a friend whose mother went back and got her PhD when she was in her 70s. And she's now close to 90 practicing psychologists. So it's never too late. If this is something you want to do, go for it. Life is short, but it also can be long. And you want it to be long and full of the things that you that fulfill you. So go for it, T-Bob. I'll help you in any way. Tips for sciatica. And this is yoga in your living room. Um, tips for sciatica. Well, sciatica is a very... There's, there's reasons, there's different reasons that contribute to sciatica. So sciatica is kind of an umbrella term for pain or numbness or tingling or all of the above, sometimes even weakness that originates. And the ideas or the thought process by calling it sciatica is something is being compressed around the sciatic nerve such that these, um, re- these nerve symptoms present. So I sit, would say, well, what is causing the sciatica? Um, is it that the there's a lot of compression around the around the sacrum? Is it that the, the someone's sitting all day and right around the sit bones there's some compression there that that is creating numbness and tingling down the leg that can present like sciatica? Uh, I always look for position. Is the person in is in a neutral pelvis most of the time? Are they sitting in it, standing in it? Uh, what is their core strength like? What is their neutral spine position like? What is their mobility like in their hip? There's so many factors, and that is truthfully what you have to think about. It's it can't be cookie cutter, unfortunately. So I want to give you more um, more answers that would be kind of more bullet point. But I would say first look at if this is for the person or for when you're teaching, look for a neutral pelvis. How do you acquire that? Does the person have hip mobility, good range of hip mobility in all the directions, flexion, extension, abduction, adduction in external internal rotation? And then also, are they able to move at the hip versus moving at the pelvis? What is the position that person's in most of the day? If they're sitting, what is their sitting position like? Sitting is probably one of the biggest contributors to sciatica, but it's not just sitting. It's sitting for prolonged periods of time and like letting those glutes just go to sleep fully. So it's it's complex in many ways, and yet it's not. You have to look at the structure, the mob- mobility, and the, the core stability. Moving on from there. Where did you learn yoga and do you have any idea about the best yoga institute in India? And this person is A-R-T Bhattaja. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm messing that up. But uh, I learned yoga long ago. I went to a place called the Yoga Institute of Houston, which was in Texas. And it was, the I had already been teaching yoga at that point, but the reason I went to get certified was there was no yoga alliance at the time, but I felt like I wanted a certification. It was interesting. There, a lot of people were teaching without certifications, but there was something in me that was like, I really want to get certified. And I looked at two places. White Lotus in Santa Barbara was one of them. I really wanted to go there, but it didn't work out timing-wise with my work. I had a full-time job as a physical therapist at the time. And to take off three weeks was not I could do it, but I had already done that in getting my postgraduate certification in neurodevelopmental training. I'd already taken a lot of time off for that three weeks 
two separate times. So a total of six weeks, because I went out for a month, two different months uh, to, to get that outside of Stanford. So I wasn't able to take that time off. So what I did was a different course a little bit later, and I did it at the Yoga Institute. It was fine. It wasn't, I didn't learn much at all, but it was, it was a, you know, it was a nice experience. I have since really mostly educated myself and taken a physical therapy stance. I do not know about yoga institutes in India. I would ask someone else that question, but I'm sure there's some really good ones. And, you know, best yoga institute for me, like the best yoga institute is going to be a v- probably different than what you would perceive as the best yoga institute. So for me, what I want is someone like a lot, like, what is going, and this is what I look for when I'm in my teacher training. I want to provide the best education so that people that leave my training are very, very equipped to teach yoga, to be able to instruct, to be educate, be educators, not just um, mimickers of something. So my, my, that's my ideal. So that might be different than yours. I would definitely ask other people that question because if you want to practice in India, I'm sure there's some really great institutes there. So um, someone asked me, where do you start if you can't complete the video on your platform? And this is Inga Borgask. So what I would say is that question makes me think that maybe right now you're not able to complete it because you get tired. It's not a time factor thing or there, you know, you lose your form or something. And if that's the case, what I would say is the organization of all of my classes is such that you literally could stop after you do the reset. So that's the first 15 to 20 minutes in most of the classes do that and do it regularly. And I have people that do that. And every reset is different to a degree. It has like the, it has the, it follows a thread line, but there's a lot of creativity and variability within that. So even though you are practicing, you might be not doing the full class, even doing the reset of different classes is going to be super helpful. So start there and then add on doing the first sequence. So there's a blueprint. It's a reset which is a 15 to 20 minutes. It gets your body ready. It's what the reset is doing is it's tapping into the already hardwired movement patterns that we have from birth. You go from uterus, baby comes out of the uterus in one way or another, and then it eventually goes into being able to stand. Well, it's not like we took the baby into all, like, and, and said, okay, now you're going to flip over and now you're going to pull your knees underneath you and start crawling. We didn't tell the baby that. The baby learned to do that because it's hardwired. It's called developmental patterning. And so that's my, that was my postgraduate certification is, is how to go back when somebody's had a neurological insult, something like a stroke or brain injury, and go into those hardwired patterns that are there. You don't lose them. They're always there. And so the reset part of my yoga class is going into those so that you can reestablish better motor patterns, better ways to move, and then and then honestly, better ways to feel. Because when you uh, when you tap into your motor complex, you're you're tapping into neuromotor things, and that inevitably spills over into your neurophysiological and neuropsychological. They're all inter interwoven. 
So I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but that's really to to show you how important that reset is. So if you do that, you will build the endurance, you will build the core integration, and you will build better habits, better habits of movement. And that will give you the endurance uh, to do the rest of the class. So then do the sequence one and then start adding on from there. Literally keep keep amping it up and, and holding the bar high. You'll be able to get there, I promise. So I'm gonna answer... A few more questions here. Um, somebody asked me, tell us about friendships. Wow. Well, that is not yoga related, but it is It is a Wednesday Q&A. So tell us about friendships. It's Emily Lee Ellis. I love that. Well, friendships are, every, are very important to me. I'm extremely loyal and I've been that way, I think, from birth. I have friends that are date back from three years old. And I, I think that's very unusual. And some of it is that I don't think you need a lot of friends, but if you find your people and you love them and they love you, then dedicate, dedicate giving generosity to them. And that is giving of your time and that you are, that you are purposefully thinking about them and making time to spend with them. And that could be over the phone. You know, I have friends that are in my best friend from childhood lives in LA, but we communicate weekly, if not more than weekly. And it's, it's amazing. Um, she she knows me so well. I have one of my best friends from Princeton who I've had in my life for 22 years, and we are just there for each other. It, friendships, women women need to support women. I'm such a strong believer in this. I have male friendships as well, but women need women. We need to support each other. We are um, not really programmed to support each other in many many ways, and. When we support each other, magic happens. Magic happens. There is a sisterhood that develops. So I think that the big take home is that you don't need many people. You may need just one person, but find that person and dedicate your dedicate your love to that person. It by it's it's an extension of yourself. It's really giving and and also being clear about the people that lift you up. Why spend time with people who aren't lifting you up? That's just not going to, you know, that's not good for anybody. So be clear about your friendships. You don't need a lot of them. Um, but boy, when you find your person, really, really dedicate yourself to them. And I hope that helps. But friendships are everything. I mean, I am I am where I am because I have a husband who has never said no to me, who says, yes, you can do that. Sure, try that. I had parents who said that to me. And then I have friends who are celebrating it. If there's a friend that is not celebrating with you, then pause and think about that because that might mean they, it doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means that you don't, you don't want to spend time with people who are all simultaneously very jealous of you and haven't done the work on themselves. That can change for sure. And, uh, but I think that if you're with people who are, are not celebrating you, then just be aware of that. And you want to be with people who celebrate you for sure. And you'll, you celebrate them. Okay, final question. And I'm going to save some of these for answering on Instagram because I, I really have so many of these. Okay, why do some people's hips click during les- leg raises and how to correct it? Correct it. Well, clicking hips, and this was by uh, Lou Lua Wild. Clicking hips, there can be different reasons. It can be a tendon clicking over the bone anywhere on the femur. It can be that there's connective tissue and fascia there that's like sticky and that clicks because soft tissue makes noise, by the way, fascia makes noise. 
So usually the clicking is happening because the femoral head, that's the ball of the femur, is not centered in the socket well. And when it's not centered in the socket, and guess where that happens? That happens a lot when you're anterior tilting. So say I have an anterior tilted pelvis, I'm lying on my back or just standing up and I lift my leg up and I do a leg raise. My hip is not, my femur is not moving toward my glute like it should. So in hip flexion, your femur is going to move backwards towards your glutes. That's how it should do it. It's called a posterior glide. If you are in tipped forward, that means your femur has started already forward, meaning it's behind the finish line, right? Because if it's, it's if its goal is to move back in space, but in starting position, it's not even centered, it's forward, it's going to run into things possibly. And that will that clicking is coming from that. So the first thing is that the femur is probably getting impinged in some way. And it's called femoral acetabular impingement when it starts to create pain. But that clicking could be the first sign of that. So I do things like stuffing the femurs. Um, if you have a, if you're lifting your leg in a straight-legged way and you feel that click, bend your knee and think about the femur moving like you're pulling up a sock, pulling the femur up into the pelvis, worrying less about the 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 end range of that, like how straight that leg is or how how high you lift the leg. So that is the biggest uh, contributor to that clicking. And it can take a while for that clicking to go away, but don't just let it, and it, you might have clicking and no pain. And this is one of the caveats I'll say. A lot of times you can have clicking or, or noise or crunching and there's no pain. And there's the saying that, you know, if there's no pain with that noise, then it should be fine. With this, it's different. I, um, because the femur is so used to not uh, being centrated because the way people sit and stand with their pelvis tipped. So this is not a movement you want to create. Uh, you want to feel, uh, even if there's no pain. If there's, um, if there's a clicking with it, stop what you're doing, bend your knee and pull the thigh bone deeper into the pelvis and see if that goes away. Simultaneous to all that, deepen the core activity, deep, deep, deep abdominal work to stabilize and help the pelvis stay neutral and the femur be able to move. That's the Q&A for this Wednesday. If you have any questions, make sure that you let me know so I can maybe have them in my Q&A next week. And if you have any questions about the questions I answered, please write me at laura at movementbylaura.com or do a post about it or a story about it on your Instagram page so we can share it with everyone. Thank you so much. I'm pulling for you as always. Happy, happy day. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.